0: The government has clearly lost control of the economy. We are looking at a conservative majority of 86. Why is the Prime Minister making a bad situation worse for working people by hammering them with a cut to universal credit and a tax rise? Right? I actually think that this is a win-win. It's a, it's a, an open goal for Liz Truss, really. Will you Who shut up, man? said it on the record. You and, said you want the right. record. And just to come on something that you, Miliband... Miller- oh, yeah. yeah
1: bringing you the stories behind the headlines. You're listening to Politics Unboxed. Absolutely, you are listening to Politics Unboxed. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the regularly scheduled programming. My name is Rhys Wallace, your host for today. And it was great that we had that, that interview with Christina and Tom earlier. If you missed it, do be sure to check it out on Mixcloud when I upload it. Um, but now we are back. Back to back to basics, back to family values, back to normal, with a little bit of politics unboxed. And it is time to talk about all of the happenings that have been going on today. Because it was Prime Minister's Question Time. It was quite simply... Um, a disastrous PMQs for uh, Liz truss uh, not only did the news come out that her one of her special advisors is suspended facing a formal investigation by the standards team um, Liz truss was questioned on a number of different occasions on a number of very key and important topics. she said she was a fighter not a quitter well. Just how much longer does she have before her party tells her that the fight is over? Asking the big questions here on Politics Unboxed. You can get in touch in all the usual ways at politics.unboxed on Instagram, politics.unboxed on Facebook, at politics.u on Twitter, email us at politics.unboxed at outlook.com, or if you want, if you really, really, really want, you can even do this. Express yourself. Express yourself with
0: Expression Hotline call Expression. Call 01392723568 723568. Tell us what you want to hear. We might even get your voice on the airwaves. So pick up the phone and get ringing. Express yourself.
1: That is Express Yourself, the Expression Hotline. 01392-723568. If you want. You can ring in, have a little bit of a chat about some of the comments and suggestions that uh, I will be raising in today's show, where we will start with the painfully obvious news. And I'm just getting up a particular um, YouTube video here. It's the the Daily Star um, and... It is the Live Lettuce Watch. Um, I'm looking at it now. It's four minutes past three on the 19th of October 2022. The lettuce is so far not looking good. Um, But I have to say, whether or not it will remain in place for much longer, (laughs) even I couldn't get through that with a straight face, uh, is, is looking... Looking unlikely. I, I think it's all going to come to a head. Oh, I'm sorry, I'll stop. I, I, no, I won't. Um, apparently, the lettuce is expected to make a statement later. Time TBC. Um, Liz Truss is still in post. It looks like she is planning on staying there for a while. But the problem is, can she? That's, that's the real question. Uh, there are some real problems going on. There are pitfalls lying ahead for something that Chris Mason is describing as an embattled prime minister, but what the Labour Party and other opposition parties have been calling a prime minister in name only, a pino. Even George Osborne, who was chancellor in Liz Truss's first cabinet, um, well, in the cabinet of which Liz Truss was first a part of um, has called her the Pino, a Prime Minister, in name only. It really is starting to look really quite bad for Liz Truss. Um, I wonder, is it Mission Impossible? Because Liz Truss has to find a way to square the circle here. Chancellor Jeremy Hunt indicated on Monday... ...that the government was no longer committed to the triple lock on pensions. The Foreign Secretary echoed that on Wednesday morning, so today. Liz Truss told Members of Parliament at PMQ she remains committed to the triple lock. Um, interesting, interesting, interesting. Benefits, however, don't look like they will be going up. It also looks like these spending cuts are going to be in key areas, but... They can't be in defence because Ben Wallace, the Defence Secretary, massive Tory party favourite within the membership, tipped by many, well, certainly by some as a potential replacement for Liz Truss, says he intends to hold the Prime Minister to her promise to increase defence spending to 3% of GDP by 2030. Well, well, well. Doesn't look like there'll be cuts to defence then. Either that or Ben Wallace has made clear that he may well resign. Health and education are the other big spending departments. Cutting the budget of the education department looks like a bad move at the moment as the education service tries to catch up after COVID. And health, very much the same thing. It also would be politically toxic, especially even amongst conservative members and backbenchers. We know the opposition would oppose it. That's Rather, what the opposition does, but especially in this case, as the Conservative Party have been trying to say that they are the party of rebuilding the NHS after Covid. Well, if they cut the budget, I don't think they could hold that line for much longer. Excuse me. Expected to take up most of the hit then? It's welfare. As we saw back in 2010. The welfare budget taking a massive, crippling hit. As Rachel Reeves said to Jeremy Hunt across the dispatch boxes on Monday, the Chancellor, back as Health Secretary, was part of Austerity 1.0. Why does he think that the country wants to see Austerity version 2.0? Well, we don't know. What we do know is that if the welfare payments were to be the ones hit, even... Commons leader Penny Mordaunt, another figure popular enough with the membership to be ranked highly in polls on Conservative Home, that famous website, uh, and currently, as I say, leader of the House of Commons, also tipped as a replacement for Liz Trust, uh, is very much against this breaking of the government's commitment to ensure benefits rise in line with inflation. Disability living allowance does have to be uprated in, in, with inflation by law, And if the government wants to uprate those benefits in line with earnings, instead it would need to pass a whole new law. That would face stiff resistance both inside and outside the chambers of Parliament. But I tell you what, it looks like fracking is the biggest battleground for the Prime Minister. Because one of Liz Truss's first acts as PM was to announce an end to the ban on fracking. Now this was put forward as part of a... A package to boost domestic energy production. She's yet to say how the government will be initiating this. She's said on a number of occasions that it would only resume where there is local consent. Now, um, it's it really is a little bit ridiculous how many times she's been asked that question and failed to come to any um, any actual outline uh, of how local consent would be achieved but who knows who knows how or if Liz Truss's mind works at the moment overturning the ban does not require a new law but a number of Tory MPs have spoken out against the resumption of fracking reflecting their constituents own concerns Whilst the government could just push this through, Labour is attempting to force a Commons vote on banning fracking and is urging Tory MPs to back it. The opposition has already warned Conservatives they are going to use the issue of fracking at the next general election. Speaking of the next general election, the the polls look awful for Liz Truss. Um, the opinion polling for the next United Kingdom general election, uh, it's, it's absolutely awful. Most recently taken over the the period of time, 13th to the 17th of October, there was a Delta poll which took into account GB or British seats, labor, 55% of the vote, a 32% lead. A day earlier, Redfield and Wilton, Labour taking 56% of the vote, a 36% lead. I mean, this is this is quite frankly astounding stuff for the Labour Party. We saw uh, a couple of weeks ago that 32% lead that YouGov, or sorry, the 33% lead that YouGov had predicted for a poll commissioned by. The Times. Um, It really is staggering. Even a poll commissioned for GB News by People Polling, um, that put forward the Conservatives on 19% and the Labour Party on 53%. That's a lead of 34%. Now, it's Interesting to note that whilst the Labour Party have been in the lead in most of these polls, in fact, the last time I can see a, a registered poll on this Politico documents I'm looking at here with a Conservative lead is the 6th of December 2021. Um, that was a 2% lead for the Conservative Party. The Labour Party were only in sort of single figure leads, and there, were e- there was even a tie from the 21st of March this year. Um, only in sort of single-figure leads regularly up until the time around mid-August. So that's when you start to see double-figure leads become a more regular occurrence for the Labour Party. And I don't think I've seen a single-figure lead for the Labour Party since September. Uh, Yeah, they are. The 26th of September, a poll by Kantar Public comes out saying there's a 4% Labour lead. Um, The very next day, an Omnisys poll comes out saying 12% Labour lead, and they've never looked back into single figures from then. Indeed, since that um, 12% lead was predicted by Omnisys, the smallest lead they've been predicted to achieve is 17%. That's astounding for the Conservative Party, especially since, well, if you're looking back into 2020 and 2021, It's pretty consistent conservative leads all the way through. Yes, they're not sort of every time 10% or more, but they're big enough. They really are big enough. Maybe that was a a pandemic bounce. Maybe that was people looking at Boris Johnson and thinking, well, you never know. We'll see how he does. But nowadays, it looks absolutely catastrophic for the conservative party. We're in danger of forgetting that just under three years ago, the Conservatives had an 80-seat majority, 365 seats compared to the Labour Party's 202, the SNP the third largest on 48 seats, the Liberal Democrats 11, Ply Cymru 4, Greens 1, 1 independent and then 18 in Northern Ireland. Right now, as of data collected, Between the 26th and the 30th of September, from Opinion, with a sample size of 10,500 people across the United Kingdom, the predictions are that the Labour Party would walk away with a majority of 172 seats. 412 seats going Labour, 138 to the Conservatives, the Lib Dems, the third largest party on 39, the SNP on 37, play Cymru on five, the Green Party on one. That is catastrophic news for the Conservative Party. Ever since December 2021, the Labour Party have been consistently predicted as the largest party in the House of Commons. That is to be expected. At the moment, given the poll data, given the state of the economy, given how, um, given how things are going for this current government. But 412 seats. 412 seats. I mean, that is a, a mad, mad number of seats to be winning. To put into context. Um. That is the number of seats that the Labour Party won in 2001. And it is only six shy of the number that the Labour Party won in 1997. The Conservatives would be about 30 seats down on where they were in 1997. What a historic disaster for the party. There are some polls coming out saying that the Conservatives would not even be the official opposition if these polls held. Now, I don't believe that will be the case. Um, At the moment, it does look like the overwhelming opinion of the country is to kick the Conservatives out of power. That that is um, uh, an, an opinion that People are um, pretty much entitled to hold at this point after 12 years of Conservative misrule. Um, Whether it will be in this number, whether it will even be a Labour majority. I don't think the polls are yet enough evidence to tell you this. They look like they are a very good starting point for the Labour Party and a very bad one for the Conservatives. However, there is no way that when it comes to an election, this is how things will play out. We always see how the the silent conservative voter turns up. Especially because we are currently looking, at least you would hope for the conservative point of view, currently looking at a real nadir of... Um, Conservative support. Liz Truss is the least popular party leader since Jeremy Corbyn and even beyond Jeremy Corbyn. Her popularity currently sits at minus 70, according to YouGov. Um, Jeremy Corbyn only ever got down to minus 60. Whether or not this will translate into the electoral results is is another is another thing. Here we are, though, with Liz Truss being asked, why is she still here from across the dispatch box? Liz Truss apologised. She said, I have been very clear that I am sorry and that I have made mistakes. She was nearly shouted down by the opposition, calling, resign, resign. I'm amazed her own benches didn't join them. She said that the right thing to do in these circumstances is to make changes which I have made and to get on with the job and deliver for the British people, telling MPs I am a fighter, not a quitter. Now, the Labour leader then proceeded to pour a bucket, well, more like a truckload of cold water on any heat of battle from the Prime Minister. Um, He said the government crashed the economy. Spending cuts and rising mortgage rates were her fault. The Prime Minister's response to people paying £500 a month more on their mortgages is to say that she is sorry. Here's Keir Starmer's quote. What does she think people will think and say, that's all right, I don't mind financial ruin, at least she apologised. Now Liz Truss, I, I think, gave a decent attempt at trying to to stay the course trying to bat for her cause um the conservative benches were quiet there was there were no cheers of support except from immediately behind her Robert Buckland giving some very loud yeah yeahs and sort of jeering his way through um he must be thinking dear me what have I done because he was a Rishi Sunak supporter and now he's Stuck front and centre behind Liz Truss. Not a great position to be in, especially if you're caught in the blast radius. Um Liz Truss has really you turned yet again. The the lady is, is for turning around so much she forgets which way she was pointing in the first place. Remember that state pension? row that was happening in the papers this morning well it was defense 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 this is the policy we're fine with the state pension shrinking she even sent james cleverly out this morning to to bat on that idea she then u-turned in the course of prime minister's questions saying that the state pension the triple lock is fine i wonder how the real prime minister thought about that let's ask jeremy hunt if he'll ever come on the show then we might get some answers. If Jeremy Hunt was answering questions at Prime Minister's uh, PMQs, then we will definitely get some more definitive answers because he does appear to be pulling some of the strings. Sir Keir Starmer saying that Labour is a government in waiting, the Conservatives an opposition in waiting. It all got a little bit pantomime. Um, He was reading out a list of all of these economic policies Uh, It was a bit like, it was a bit punch and judy. I'm not a massive fan of punch and judy politics. And I didn't think Keir Starmer was. It's also not his style. But I think once the point is there, you have to hammer it home. Um, It was the 45p top rate of tax, to which his backbenchers replied, gone. Um, The 20p basic rate, gone. Um, Or rather the 19p basic rate, sorry. Um, What else was it? The energy price guarantee, gone. And then um, her chancellor, gone. The question Kirstenmer posed at the end of it was, so why is she still here? And that's true. Almost all of Liz Truss's economic policy is gone. Um, all of those tax-cutting, high-growth, dash-for-growth-style policies, um, they they are being cut by either by the Chancellor, by the Prime Minister, or by them both together in the government. But it's ridiculous. Jeremy Hunt sat behind her, vaguely nodding his head and cheering on the, the Prime Minister. It wasn't a show of defiant support. It was more of a, I'm sat here and I'm listening. It wasn't a, I give you my full backing, Prime Minister. Thank you for the job, Prime Minister. I don't know. And that economic policy around the energy price guarantee, well, first off, as I've said a number of times on this show, it is not an energy price guarantee. Now, wording this deliberately deceitfully, in my opinion, because whilst the unit price of energy is somewhat guaranteed, in fact, it is guaranteed for individual consumers, if you use more energy, you will pay more. Everyone going on about I will only have to pay two and a half thousand pounds a year maximum for your energy prices. Well, I'm sorry, that's not true. If you live in a detached house and use energy at the 2019 median level for a property of that size, then you can expect to pay three thousand three hundred pounds a year for energy, according to a BBC infographic. A semi-detached house, nearly £2,700. These are the things that it appears the Conservative Party are unwilling to tell us, and I wonder why. Anyway, Liz Truss, an embattled Prime Minister, is about to face another test because, um, well... It's it's quite simply about to hit the fan because Graham Brady is back. Graham Brady is back from his, um, what was it, his Athenian holiday to cause potentially a Greek tragedy for the Prime Minister. Um, he has... Been reported as having received a number of letters of no confidence from members of the party, the Conservative Party. But under the rules of the 1922 committee, it is clear that, um, well, it is clear that the Prime Minister is safe from challenge for 12 months after being appointed Prime Minister. Now, that seems like a very sensible and sane precaution under normal circumstances. However, under normal circumstances, Prime Ministers don't crash the pound under the first five working days in office. The Liz Truss does not look very safe at all. In fact, there's also been reported that Graham Brady is waiting for a third of all Conservative members of Parliament, i.e. about 119 MPs, to submit letters of no confidence to him before calling for a vote and essentially rewriting the rules of the 1922 committee, which was being rumoured for Boris Johnson as well, to be honest. Um, His understanding is that if it gets to over 50% of the Conservative Party having submitted letters, there will be no need for a vote because they will already have demonstrated their lack of confidence in the Prime Minister. The real question is, though, how can the Conservative Party do it? Because it will be very difficult for them to hold off a general election if they replace their prime minister. For the second time since the last general election. The rationale could end up being that, well, it will be difficult enough to fight a general election with this prime minister. So what's the point? We may as well get rid of her. And I mean, that is, um, that is a particularly appealing point to some. I'm not quite certain how this is going to go. What we do know is that letters appear to be going in with increasing urgency from the the back benches of the Conservative Party. And it will be very, very interesting to see if, Well, if, um, what's his name, Graham Brady gets around to putting a press conference together, because I don't think um, that it will be very long after that, that we actually see Liz Truss out the door. Right, let's turn to a song break now. And for this, we are going to turn to something that the Labour Party know a lot about. Um, they they know a lot about this song. I've talked about 1997 quite a lot. I quite like this song. Let's listen to a bit of D-Ream. See you after the break. Things Can Get Better by D-Ream, followed by Good Riddance, bracket Time of Your Life by Green Day. Is there a theme in today's show? No, not at all. Never. We We don't have themes. No, not at all. No. Anyway, moving on, or in fact, moving back to how the government is is on life support. It does really appear to be the government's on life support. And every now and then, Liz Truss keeps reaching over to pull on her own um, power cable, which is rather problematic for her. She went to the ERG last night. And she told those right-wing Tory MPs that her U-turns were painful. She told those backbenchers as well, though, she's still committed to boosting growth through economic reforms. Now, as a reminder, Boris Johnson went round meeting MPs about a week before he was booted out. I'm not saying that she's going. I'm just saying that that's where Boris Johnson was about a week before he did go, which is interesting to say the least. Um, obviously, she appeared at PMQs for the first time since those U-turns earlier today. Only the third time she's faced PMQs. She's all right. Again, it was a very bad line to try and defend, and she didn't do as, as well as you might have seen some other more charismatic better speakers do, but it was about as well as she could have expected, to be honest. Um... Some Conservative MPs have been privately talking about how she could end up being kicked out of office. Cabinet ministers have been calling for unity. Liz Truss uh, herself has been called right to jettison her plans to ensure economic stability. The problem is, if you get rid of everything that you campaigned on, what's the point of keeping you around? Um, Ian Little Granger a conservative backbencher who attended the meeting at number 10 that was held yesterday for those sort of erg backbenchers said those in attendance were very blunt about where we feel we are he added a lot of what we're going uh sorry a lot of where we're going is what i want to hear he called ejecting liz truss a recipe for disaster but with liz truss not ruling out further tax hikes and spending cuts to reassure the UK economic markets and with that Halloween financial uh, fiscal statement turning up like a like a ghost of austerity past I do wonder just how um, Liz Truss is going to extricate herself from this particular little um, scramble I'm not quite sure One way she might do it is by making votes a test on Tory loyalty, turning things into a confidence vote. Now, it's an opposition day today, and the Labour Party have introduced a motion to ban fracking, um, forcing the introduction of a draft law to ban the extraction of shale gas. That's one of the things the Labour Party have said, yep, we want to put this forward as one of our opposition day motions. They are allowed to. The opposition are given so many days a year to put forward votes as if they were the government. Now, the Tory parliamentary groupings have been told to vote against Labour, saying we simply cannot allow this. The BBC has apparently seen a message sent to Conservative members of Parliament telling them that this is a confidence motion in the government. A number of Conservative MPs oppose fracking. They have been told they must support the government or face expulsion from the parliamentary party. Now, the government has not confirmed what a defeat on this fracking vote would mean for Liz Truss's premiership. Because the consequence of making this a confidence motion is that if the government loses it, then the prime minister needs to resign. That is the convention. If the government loses a confidence motion, the government falls. Now, that's exactly what shadow leader of the House, Thangham Debonair said. Um, the Conservatives haven't confirmed whether or not this is the case. Now, fracking was halted in 2019 following opposition from environmentalists and local concerns over earth tremors linked to the practice. But last month, UK government ended that fracking ban. Labour says it wants to give MPs a chance to overturn the decision. That decision broke a 2019 Tory manifesto commitment. It looks like the Tories are going to whip no on Labour's motion in a three-line whip. The government hopes that this will deter Conservative MPs who oppose fracking from siding with the opposition benches. Labour, on the other hand, believe the government's walking into a trap. They want want to make it a big dividing line. They have adverts ready to attack every member of Parliament that votes with the government on fracking. Is this going to make a divide between Conservative members? Who knows, but this is what Jacob Rees-Mogg had to say about fracking. I'm glad fracking. to
0: be able to announce that the moratorium on extraction of shale gas is being lifted and a statement has been laid before the House to do this. As I was setting out... Um, In the previous urgent question, it is important that we use all available sources of fuel within this country. It is more environmentally friendly to use our own sources of fuel, rather than to extract them from other countries and transport them here at great cost, both financially and in terms of carbon. It is something, therefore, that we need to revisit, and we need to revisit the seismic limits to ensure that shale gas extraction can be done in an effective and efficient way.
1: This is the uh, Shadow shadow, Secretary, Secretary, Ed Miliband.
0: And and it's hardly surprising. Let's start by taking his excuse for lifting the fracking ban, Mr Speaker, that it will make a difference to the energy bills crisis. It won't, because gas is sold on the international market. The current Chancellor chancellor said so in February of this year, and I quote, no amount of shale gas would be enough to to lower the European price of gas. Even, Mr Speaker, the founder of Quadrilla, said the Secretary of State is wrong in an article published yesterday. So first, why doesn't he admit the truth that anyone who knows anything about this subject says his claim that fracking will cut bills is nonsense? Next let's come to safety. The 2019 manifesto on which he and every member of the party opposite stood said this, said this, uh, Mr Speaker, we will not support fracking unless the science shows categorically that it can be done safely. They are lifting the ban, but they can't supply the evidence. And the British Geological Survey published today certainly doesn't do it. So in the absence of the evidence, his approach is to change the safety limits. He says in his written statement laid before this house, tolerating a higher degree of risk and disturbance appears to us to be in the national interest. I look forward to him and his colleagues explaining his charter for earthquakes to the people of Lancashire, Yorkshire, the Midlands, Sussex, Dorset, and indeed Somerset.
1: So just a little taste there of the debate around fracking. You heard Jacob Rees-Mogg, the Secretary of State for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy at the start, defending the policy, saying why this would have a good thing, why it would be a good thing for the United Kingdom, Ed Miliband there, the Shadow Secretary of State, former, uh, formerly a um, leader of the Labour Party, now he is back in the limelight, I guess you could say, um, saying all of the reasons that you will expect to hear from the Labour Party in the not too distant future, about why that really just isn't the right option for the British people. It does really look like the government needs a little bit of this, a little bit of help. Um, excuse the sacrilege, but I'm going to have to continue talking across this song because Liz Truss is um, really in hot water. I don't, I don't really know how she's clinging on. Well, I do know how she's clinging on. It's because the the Conservative Party haven't got the spine to replace a leader twice in in one parliamentary term and they fear a general election which is probably quite right for the Conservative Party because they would lose it at the moment Liz Truss her performance at Prime Minister's Questions wasn't exactly the best but it wasn't the worst there are now Conservative members speaking out Actually speaking out and saying, I have buyer's remorse over picking Liz Truss. One headline here, I voted for Liz Truss, now I regret it. Who really knows how this is going? I couldn't tell you. And this is literally what I do. All I do most days is have a look at political headlines. Oh, I I do a degree as well, but you never know. Um, Looking at these political headlines and just thinking, well... Crikey. How does she survive this? How does she survive that? Those polls are unbelievable for the Prime Minister. Those general election polls. Having a look in um, in Scotland as well, the Conservatives are down from when they last voted there. They got 25% of the vote. They're now projected to get about 15%. In Wales, the Conservatives... now down to 23%, half of the Labour Party's total. If we're looking at some really big um, individual seats, uh, Greenpeace have done some polling along with Opinion, the researcher. It looks like Chingford and Woodford Green is in danger. That's Ian Duncan Smith's seat. Wokingham, not in too much danger, but if the opposition get their minds together, they could unseat the Conservative Party. And Wickham. That is also looking much more dangerous for the Conservative incumbent. JL Partners have also published a poll of 45 seats that the Conservative Party gained from the Labour Party across, the, across Northern England, the Midlands and Wales, excluding Bridgend, Clwyd South, the Vale of Clwyd, Wrexham and Ennismon. In the 2019 general election, that had an 8.6% lead overall to the Conservative Party. As of the 27th of September 2022, so that's not even including most of the the recent palaver, 20% lead to the Labour Party. Redfield and Wilton Strategies um, published a poll of 37 constituencies, won by the Conservatives in 2019 that had been held by Labour in 2010, 2015 and 2017. And they included Burnley, Roadcar, and the Vale of Clure in it as well. Again, an 8.7% lead for the Conservative Party back in 2019. As of their most recent poll, 16th to 17th of October, a 40% Labour lead. Wow. There are even blue wall polls that are, are putting forward. Um, JL Partners have done another one. The 45 seats in Southern England, which the Conservatives won in 2019 with a majority of under 10,000 votes. On average, the Conservatives were looking at a 21.9% lead back in 2019. 14th to the 27th of September 2021, well that was looking at a 6% Labour lead. I can only imagine what the difference is now. Quite simply, astounding bits of data in here. I don't normally do polling analysis. It tends to fall flat on its face. We've been tricked a few too many times by clever figures one way or another. But aggregate poll analysis, I do quite like. And at the moment, the aggregate poll analysis is awful for the Conservative Party. From a position of such power and strength in 2019, Handing Labour their worst electoral defeat since 1935. The Labour Party have risen from the ashes and now look set to hand the Conservatives their worst electoral result since becoming the Conservative Party. Let that sink in. You have to go back to the 1800s to find a worse result than what is projected currently for the Conservative Party and even then it isn't called the Conservative Party, it is called um, the Tory Party. Now I know that that's a semantic difference to many given that we use the nickname Tory to describe the Conservatives but it, it is um, technically the, the name change that is quite important. So let's turn our attention to one final thing in politics in the UK. Let's talk about IndyRef 2, because if Nicola Sturgeon gets her way, it is a year away. Exactly a year away. The 19th of October, 2023. That is when the SNP green majority at Holyrood, have said this is when the IndyRev2 would happen. Can it be delivered? Well, it's possible. As I brought to you last week, the Supreme Court of the United Kingdom is currently in uh, all sorts of questions over whether the process can happen. Can MSPs legislate for a referendum without Westminster giving it formal consent? Maybe. We don't know. There is every chance that the court says yes. There is every chance that the court says no or refuses to rule. A legal victory also doesn't mean a political one. Nicholas Sturgeon is pinning a lot on the fact that this ruling will pile pressure on the UK government to agree to a referendum. But there is nothing to stop Westminster continuing to argue that now is not the time, as written by Philip Sim, the Scotland correspondent for the BBC. That way, you could end up with a Catalonia-style 2017, almost illegal referendum that undermines the credibility of the result. And we really don't want that to happen. Because whilst the the referendum, if it was ruled upon by the Supreme Court, would necessarily be legal, um, who knows about how various people would turn up and vote. If they were encouraged not to turn up by all of the pro-unionist voices, would we see a massive win for Scottish independence that could then be challenged as illegitimate? We don't know. An advisory referendum, however, is within probably Holyrood's limit, but it would have to have Westminster support to deliver on the result. Liz Truss probably has enough on her plate without an independence referendum, don't you think? Let's have a look, though, um, at some of the, the other parts of this, because let's say this does become a campaign that has to happen. The Yes campaign is right there and ready, pinning a lot on the Conservatives still being in power. A fourth chancellor in four months... Ripping up the UK's fiscal plan, well that looks like quite a strong argument for having Scottish control over the Scottish economy. Also looking at the No campaign, Labour got badly burnt by working with the Conservatives in 2014. The Lib Dems have bad memories of that 2010-2015 to coalition. This will not look like the 2014 referendum, a better together campaign that held together all of the the major leaders. You had Jim Murphy for Scottish Labour, Ruth Davidson for the Scottish Conservatives, Willie Rennie for the Scottish Liberal Democrats. Nowadays, those three leaders, or the the three leaders as it currently stands, still still Willie Rennie for the Liberal Democrats, but Douglas Ross and Anasawa for the Conservatives and Labour, respectively, north of the border. They will not be standing on a platform together. Um, It it really is going to be a lot harder to bring together a cohesive and co-aligned campaign for the No campaign, or the Better Together campaign. Now, if Nicola Sturgeon doesn't get her way, she has her sights set on the general election. And her plan is to fight on a one-line manifesto. And that manifesto will either be to have a referendum or to just leave the United Kingdom. She would then target 50% of the vote in Scotland. That's an incredibly high bar. And also, a general election is not a single issue idea. This is going to bubble on and boil on for quite a while. We'll have to wait and see how this goes. Um, I honestly couldn't give you a, a real look at how it would happen, or what's going to happen. What we do know is that at the moment, Liz Truss says she will lead the Conservative Party into the next general election. That may be true. I don't think she'll lead the Conservative Party into a victorious next general election. And either way, I don't think she'll lead the Conservative Party out of the next general election. But I don't know whether or not she has the political nails, not guts, because she clearly wants to carry on. Otherwise, she wouldn't still be here and she wouldn't have run for it in the first place. No one runs reluctantly for prime minister. You can't run reluctantly for prime minister. You can't accept such a job on a, oh, well, I guess I'll do it if no one else wants it. No, that's not how you do it. There's always someone who wants the job. But whether or not Liz Truss has those nails to cling on is a separate matter. Personally, I I think that um, she'll be gone next month after this Medium-term fiscal review may well be. It may well be the the final nail in her coffin, especially if it involves a complete overhaul of everything that she stood for. She's nearly got rid of everything at the moment, but if she starts to raise taxes and cut spending, then it would be, well, what is the point? What is the point of having Liz Truss instead of Rishi Sunak? At least Rishi Sunak is more popular across the country and might do a little bit better in a general election if Rishi Sunak were to be the choice of members for the next Prime Minister. I wonder what that would mean for our Chancellor though. Could we get a fifth Chancellor in five months? Could we get a Chancellor of the Exchequer advent calendar? Or just a calendar calendar for for next year? By the time we've gone through another sort of eight months past this, maybe we will be able to get a Chancellor calendar where you flip over each month and it's who the Chancellor was in that month of 2022. Who knows? It's an interesting um, an interesting thought. Not particularly an optimistic thought, but I don't think there's much to be particularly optimistic about at the moment in terms of energy bill help is going through the roof. And the the people who are saying they're providing help are lying to your face about what it means. Of course, they're not actually lying. They're just not telling you the full truth. There's a family in, where is it? Tayside and Central area of Scotland, who's facing 17,000 pounds of energy bills to keep their disabled daughter alive. Their daughter has cerebral palsy and relies on receiving oxygen for chronic breathing problems. It costs six and a half grand a year to run the kit at home, but Clackmannanshire Council has warned this mother that the bill could hit £17,000 next year due to what is essentially, or has been labelled by that council, a hospital at home. As well as that, the possibility of winter um, fuel cuts and power cuts in the event of reduced gas supply. What's that going to do? This is not just a one-off, um, but it is a story of one person incredibly affected by this and one family. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know what the government has in store next, but what I do know is I will be here to try and keep you informed, keep you up to date with how the the rest of this goes. So, I want to say thank you very much for listening to this episode of Politics Unboxed. Uh, I'm glad to have you with me. Otherwise, again, it is just me literally talking to no one. Um, Thank you for listening. I hope to see you all around again soon for the next one. And we're going to end with a great song. I love this song. I've played it a couple of times. Now, it's by Meatloaf, and it is hot patootie bless my soul from the rocky horror picture show i will see you at 9 p.m on sunday for the sunday digest on expression fm tune in at www.expression.fm or next week at two on a wednesday for more 1400 show brought to you by politics unboxed get in touch on social media at politics on unboxed on instagram at U, that's U on twitter politics unboxed on facebook or email politics.unboxed at outlook.com and all of our information can be found at www.politicsunboxedpodcast.wordpress.com thank you for listening i'll see you next time